are there, let's read our passage in Luke chapter 1. We're making our way through Luke and beginning to see the lead up to the coming king. Jesus is about to arrive on the scene. In the process, we've seen John the Baptist's mom and um, John the Baptist's mom and Zacharias introduced John uh, to be a forerunner. I have to admit I'm a little distracted here for a specific reason, and he would probably hate me that I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and he's going to run to the door, so don't, don't, don't do it real quick. I want everybody to give this man a hand because he has done an amazing job of helping us get our sanctuary here Camel is in the back of the room. He is a friend of ours. Camel, will you step in a second? Give him a hand. This man, this man has worked very hard all week long. Uh, I've been up many nights with him, and he stayed longer than I did every night. And uh, I just want to thank him for that. Y'all make sure you. Uh, if you get to see him around town or you need anything, you call this man because he can help you out a lot. Okay? Thank you, Camel. It's, okay. it's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, stay. Okay. All right. Let's get our Bibles and look at our passage in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. These are great words in Luke chapter 1. Today we're going to look at what a genuine testimony is all about. A testimony that not is, is not just about words, but actions. A genuine testimony is about how we live, not by just what we say. A genuine testimony, ladies and gentlemen, exalts God. It exalts God and it, 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 it um, exalts God for His use of other people and it does not exalt self. Let's look. It's a genuine testimony exalts God and His use of others, not self-exaltation. In our background, we've looked at the lead up to the coming King, the forerunner John, and the great one Jesus to come. Today we're going to look at the testimony of three people concerning the glory of the great one. The testimony of three people. First we're going to see Mary's active expectation an active expectation then we're going to see John's joyful exaltation John's joyful exaltation and third we're going to see Elizabeth's humble explanation she's going to explain things humbly you'll see Elizabeth does your life in general reflect these people's testimony would your life look like, if they were recording a story about you, would your life at a snap in time, would it look like these three people? That's a great question for us all to ask. Would, you, would your life look like Mary's if faced with a very uh, daunting task? Would your life look like John's? Now you say, well, John was a baby in a womb. Well, do you have a joyful life? We'll talk about that as we get in there. Are you joyful? And I'm not talking about just a smile on your face. Are you joyful? And, or, or are you humble like Elizabeth? And do you explain things? And are you gentle? And are you always deferring to other people? Are you humble? 
That's what these testimonies are all about. Let's look first at Mary's testimony. Mary's active expectation. The word expectation carries with it the idea of hope or confidence or anticipation to anticipate. I was watching the song a little bit. He was going, come real quickly. Oh Lord, haste the day when you come. It anticipates something. It's looking forward to something. That's the way Mary is. She's anticipating something and therefore she acts. She moves. She does something based on her anticipation of the coming of her new son. As we look at Mary in these scenes, as we look at her, we see that she's not just a hearer of the word, but she's a doer of the word. She's about doing what God wants her to do. Mary was active, and she was active for God because of her expectations of what God would do. In this passage, we see Mary is moved or motivated to action based on her faith. Notice as we go through this, first, Mary's question with faith. Somebody brought this up to me at the end of last week, and it's good for us to review a little bit because it's important for us to understand. In Luke 1.34, look at that again. When the angel gives the idea of the baby coming, her son being born, Mary asks this question. She says, How can this be? Since I am a virgin. As we saw last week, Mary's question to the angel was not out of doubt of God's word like Zacharias's was. In fact, the Greek language here makes it clear that Mary believed what was going to happen. She believed that the son was coming. She just didn't understand how. Zacharias was totally different. Zacharias saw it as in look at 118. In 118 it says, he says, "How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in age." So, how you got to give me some proof, God, is what he's saying. Mary's on the other hand says, "I don't understand how it's going to work out." But I know it's going to happen. She trusts in it. She trusts in what the angel says. She trusts ultimately in what God says. Mary's response to the angel is perfectly normal, ladies and gentlemen. For her to go, how? I'm a virgin. How? This doesn't make sense. She doesn't say, it's not going to happen. She just says, how? For us, it's okay for us to say this, ladies and gentlemen. This is a good relationship with God. You get in a situation, you don't know how it's going to work out. You know God is in control. So what do you do? You trust God and you do ask, how? Okay, what do you want me to do? Is there anything in your word that I need to do so I can just do it? And that's exactly what Mary does. A strong relationship with God can include questions. You should be talking to God daily, all the time. You just don't know how many times Pastor Mike this week went, how in the world are we going to get this together? How is this going to happen? It's impossible for all these things to unfold. But yet it just keeps falling into place because God is gracious and he's kind just like Mary she says how a weak relationship with God says this give me proof give me proof that this will work out I need proof I need to see you God how many times if you're on campus and you're talking to somebody about Jesus and you say to them hey Jesus is the way for salvation And they say, give me proof. Show me. If I could see him, give me one proof. What is that? It's a doubting heart. There's a difference. Mary believed. And she then acted on her belief. Mary anticipated God. 
was going to do something. He was going to do something. And so she acted. Notice Mary's second humble submission to the will of God. In verse 38, we reviewed this briefly. Look at it. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Oh, this is a beautiful uh, explanation to God or a proclamation to the angel that's ultimately representing God. Mary, in effect, says, Behold, I am the Lord's slave. I'm the slave. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. A bond slave is a person that has no rights. No rights. A person who is owned by someone else. A slave of the Lord is owned by the Lord and does whatever he wishes. Mary says, I'm your slave. I will do whatever you want, God. Let me ask you a question. Is that your heart? Is that what you're about? Is that your heart echo? Do you say, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. I'll do whatever you want. Now, it's interesting. If we were to do a poll in this room of all the people, I bet I could do it by raise of hand. How many of you in here would say, I'm the Lord's slave? You don't have to raise your hand. But in your heart, you're probably thinking it. I'm the Lord's slave. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. But what distinguishes a genuine slave from a false slave is one thing. Action. (laughs) Work. We can say a whole bunch of things. If Mary made the words in 38 and 39 didn't happen, then she'd be like just like a lot of other people in churches. Lots of talk. Lots of saying. And not much doing. But look at verse 39. After the angel gives her proof that this is a genuine thing that's going to happen, look at verse 39. It says, see, Mary is fast to action. Mary is fast to action. Notice in verse 39 it says, Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah. So after hearing this report, she takes in all the information, and then she does what? She hastily goes. She's fast to action. She says, I want to see this. I know the Lord did it. So she takes action quickly. Alright, so look at this. After the angel gave Mary the sign, Elizabeth of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary quickly departs from her, for a relative. She goes fast. Mary took action of this glorious news of the son to be born and a relative to have a forerunner. I, I, I wonder... Uh, Ronaldo, do you have this thing go through your mind sometimes as a pastor? We preach a message. He preached a great message this morning on not showing partiality amongst the poor and the rich. It was a great message in James chapter 2. Do you, we have this problem sometimes. We proclaim these truths and everybody says, I'm for it. I'm going to do it. And then we go out and don't do it. Mary's the opposite. Mary hears the truth, understands the truth, and is quick to action. I want to see. I want to be a part of this. I want to do what God wants me to do. How many times have we told our people and told you, share the gospel with people? We might even talked about it last week. Share the gospel with somebody. Did we get to? Did we do it? Oh, folks, let's take action. Let's be quick to action. We know Christ, right? 
I was uh, thankful after our Wednesday night service, some of the people probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> I was so into the message about being thankful. And I was thankful the very next, uh, that night, I got an email from somebody that says, I'm going to start with our kids doing an acrostic of thankfulness. Every day, we're going to work on a thankful list of things to be thankful this week. Let's take action, folks. Let's do it. Like Mary, she's about doing it. She was all about active expectation. Your faith should take action. If you know a great truth, you should do it. So the first of the three testimonies is Mary, the lady who, whose faith moved her to go and do something. Now let's look at John's joyful exaltation. Now you say, well, exaltation has to do with speaking. I disagree. <laughs> exaltation doesn't have to be a voice. <laughs> you know how I know? Because I just watched it last service. <laughs> no speaking from the mouth, but the movement of the hands was exalting God. We have the same thing with John here. John's in the room, though, and he exalts God joyfully, as you will see in a little bit. Look at John. So the first of the testimonies is Mary. The second is John's joyful exaltation. Notice first, John's opening testimony. Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's amazing how God set this up. I want you to think about this for a second. First, the very first testimony of Jesus... The first one to say, Jesus is here, is John. He's the first one. In God's perfect plan, he has an infant in a mother say, Jesus is here. He's the first one. That's a wild thought. I want you to think about this for a second. We often think God needs our praise. God needs me to worship Him and exalt Him. We think the one that maybe has the greatest voice or the best signer or whatever is the one that God really needs. But God didn't work that way. He took a baby inside of a mother's womb to be the first one to exalt Jesus. Again, we get a very important point out of this. This is a beautiful point. Listen to me closely. Your testimony, ladies and gentlemen, your testimony, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you exalting yourself. It's about us just getting out of the way and exalting Christ. And God shows this by using a baby that is only six months old in a mom's womb. Think about this. A baby in a womb is the first one to exalt the Savior. In Luke 1.17, in Luke 1.17, it says this about John. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And then at the end of the verse it says, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so what do we have? We have this little baby fulfilling his call right away. Just a side note, this would be a little bit of an important issue for us all to think on. If God uses a baby at six months to exalt his Savior then it's a baby in the womb at six months, correct? Okay. Abortion is killing. It's murder. God used a baby while it was still in the womb. Wow! Huh? It's a person. So don't kill babies. <laughs> it's wrong. That was side note. But it's there. Great theology, correct? All right. 
So God uses a baby to exalt him that's still in the mother of the womb. And notice the exaltation, John's joyful testimony. Look at verse 44. Elizabeth describing says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Wow! Now what we're saying is that baby has emotions. That baby feels emotions, joy, inside the baby in the mother's womb. Because it says it. For joy. So, joy is not here, by the way, just a happy face because we couldn't see John's face. She couldn't either, right? Joy is about what? An attitude. And we can get some really interesting stuff out of this as we think about it. Joy is being completely satisfied or content or delighting in something. And this baby, six months old, is in the stomach, is delighting in Jesus that's just walked inside of his mother's womb. You know what's really amazing, ladies and gentlemen? The calculations are intriguing here. Because guess what? She just was told that she was going to have a baby. Just told, remember? In haste she left. Fast, right? And John was six months old when it started. So that makes Jesus what? By the time Mary gets to see Elizabeth, how old is the baby? Jesus is maybe a couple weeks old. A couple weeks old is all. And here is John inside of a baby, inside of Elizabeth, exalting Mary with the baby. Jesus in her stomach. Boy, this eliminates, side note, all abortion, period. A person's acknowledged and rejoiced over at a very early age. All right, so off the politics, on to something new. The reality is this. We must rejoice over the Savior just as John did in the womb. We know the ultimate source of John's opening testimony is the Spirit. The Spirit worked in the baby. Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And this is talking of John. And he will drink no wine or liquor. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, the Spirit of God will work in John to do the work and to exalt the Savior and to be the proclaimer of Him. Again, another great example of how emotions aren't bad. <laughs> Did you hear that? If he leaps and is joyful, to be that way is good. Oh, but we who are very orthodox have a tendency to be I got to be nice, clean, cold, and set. Whatever you do, don't get emotional. Because if you get emotional, you're in sin. Or you might say something too loud. Come on, folks. This baby leaped for joy. I can't wait till the day when I say this one day and everybody in the whole place goes, Yeah! I can't wait for that day. I'm looking forward to that day. And some of you say, well, that's not my personality. Well, John didn't have much of a personality at that point in his age. Come on, he's six months. He jumped inside of a baby in a womb. Ah, I'll tell you what, I watch some of your football games with y'all. And I see you, they score, and you go, yeah! Yeah, way to go! Come on. Let's get excited. John did, and he was six months old inside the womb. We've got a reason to show emotion. It's okay. I think, I think we're afraid of it. We, I think sometimes we're afraid to show our emotions because we're afraid somebody will think we're crazy. 
Is that not true? If I show my emotion, somebody's going, whoa. If I cry in front of somebody, they'll think I'm weak. Come on. That's pride. That's pride. This baby in the womb had no pride. He leaped for joy. Emotion showed at six months. All right. So emotions aren't bad, but emotions can be as long as emotions are led by the Spirit. Just get that note. And that's important. Do you understand? We're not doing this just for emotions. We're not just trying to drum up emotions. If it's not Spirit-led, like John was Spirit-led, then it's not good. Correct? All right. Very important. Again, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not to be seen. If I'm up here just doing all this, just so you go, Mike, you're an amazing preacher, then I need to get out of here. Fire me. If that happens. But if I'm up here because God is working in my heart and I'm passionately giving it to you with everything I got, and the Spirit is leading, then that's good. Do you understand the difference? Come on, folks. Ask for God to work in your heart. Give you an excitement. A joyful exaltation of the Savior. We have reason to worship Him, don't we? Joy is not just being a happy face. Let's look at the third. Lastly, Elizabeth's humble exclamation. So we have seen Mary, the lady whose faith is in action. We've seen John, the baby, who jumped for joy over the Messiah. And last we see Elizabeth's humble exclamation. In this scene, we're introduced to Elizabeth. She makes a humble account. Remember, she didn't say much before Zacharias was the key last time. Notice a couple of details about her exclamation or her announcement. Elizabeth's spirit-led acknowledgement. Notice verse 41. It says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be controlled by the Spirit. To be under the Spirit's influence. It does not mean to get more of the Spirit. I want you to get this. Do you understand? To be filled with the Spirit does not mean that God is some way just kind of filling you up. Getting extra of him. You got a little bit more. Hey, I need a little bit more of you. Give me some more. That's not what it's about. That is not what that word means. Filled means to be controlled by. God controlled her. Worked in her. And Elizabeth spoke. Do you understand? There's a difference. It is the Spirit's filled condition that led Elizabeth to make her announcement. Some application for us. We talked this Wednesday about praising and thanking God. This is a great week to do it. If we're being led by the Spirit or filled by the Spirit, then we will thank Him. Do you understand? If you're thanking God, just thanking Him, even if it's not loud, even if you're just quiet in your room, that can still be led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. Folks, get this. Are you doing it? Like Elizabeth, we must see and acknowledge the gracious God that we have and be led by the Spirit. Alright, she says this. Notice what she says in verse 44. In verse, excuse me, go back to 42. She says this. And she cried out with a loud voice. Uh Uh-oh, another emotional person. And said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Favored by God are you, woman, and favored by God is your womb, the baby that's in your womb. This is a staggering announcement. Though there's little to no proof of Elizabeth knowing anything previously about this baby, all of a sudden she knows all of this. 
This is an interesting concept. What that means is, is that the Spirit of God's working in a real powerful way here in this woman to reveal extra stuff to her. Notice next about Elizabeth's humble response. We've got Elizabeth's humble recognition. In verse 43, well, how does she react? Look. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? How has it happened to me that the mother of this, my Lord would come to me? Elizabeth recognizes something very important. Now, I've got so much here I want to say, and I don't want to mess it up. Emotions are good as long as they're led by the Spirit. We see it in this passage. Joy is good. Loud voices are good as long as they're led by the Spirit, right? But as long as they're not self-exalting. And the proof that it's not self-exalting is her statement in verse 43. Look at it. This is interesting. When somebody stands up and says, Yeah, all right, he did it. Way to go. And does something amazing. The tendency for the audience would be to do what? Man, he's all about getting noticed. Being light. Wow, when, when he's doing all that, it's all really about him. He just likes to show off. What does Elizabeth say to show that that's not true? She points to her unworthiness. She says this. At the same time, she says, How is it that the mother of my Lord would even come to me? I'm not worthy of my Lord to be in my presence. I'm not worthy of this mother to be here. So now we go to the heart. (laughs) A very difficult issue. Listen to me closely, ladies and gentlemen. We have this beautiful testimony and how everything's unfolding. We're almost done. Hang in there. Some of you are getting tired. Look at me. Listen closely. Listen. Your heart determines whether your worship, your heart determines whether your worship is about God or yourself. It shows whether you're really about exalting Him or about yourself. And here we have this beautiful picture. Now you say, well, Mike, I don't get loud very often. That's fine. What's your heart saying? If you're thanking God, praise the Lord. If you don't raise your hand or you don't talk loud, that's okay. It's your heart that's the the point. In other words, let me say it again. We've got it here. We've got somebody speaking loud. We know her heart's right by what she says after the fact, right? She says what? How is it that you could even come into my presence? How could you come here? How could you see me? So she's humble. The person that's loud for attention and for favor would never say that statement. Just the same way the quiet person can have the same heart problem and say, I can't say anything loudly because somebody might notice me and I might be looked down upon and so therefore I'm afraid. All of these issues, a testimony, a genuine testimony, and all these people, it boils down to one main thing. What's going on inside of here? When you talk about Jesus, are you talking about Jesus to be liked by others? Maybe even to be disliked by others. Or are you talking about Jesus to exalt Jesus? (laughs) Why, and how many times have I asked this question, why are you here, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Why are you sitting in this room? Are you here for people to like you? If you are, 
you're here for the wrong reason. You should not be here to be liked by people. You should be here to exalt Christ. It's only about Him that we're here. Why in the world will we meet in a ballroom? Why? Because He's worth it. He deserves our praise. That's what these three people are all about. John is about Jesus. Mary's about Jesus. And Elizabeth is about Jesus. Who are you about? You're just about to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to come to the Lord's Supper and we're going to remember what He did for us. The death of the Savior for us. We have reason to worship Him, don't we? He deserves our praise. We should take this serious, shouldn't we? If we're taking this just because everybody else takes it. In other words, this little piece of bread comes by. I'm going to get one of these and take this because somebody else next to me is taking one and I don't want them to see me not take it. If I don't put this in my mouth, that person next to me might, they might think I'm not one of them. That would miss the whole point. We're going to take this to worship Him. We're going to take this and remember what Christ did for us. Maybe right now, someone in here is saying, I'm too selfish for that. I'm convicted by this selfishness that's in my heart. I want to give you some good news. His name is Jesus. He came to die for you. If you will repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and commit to Christ alone, He will forgive you of your sins. And you will be right with Him. <laughs> and when you take this, you'll know that He died in your place. Don't take the Lord's Supper unless you're sure of that. And none of you in this room is going to judge you if you don't. <laughs> Because they're going to stand before the Lord if they did that. they got their own heart to deal with, right? Everybody in here, you have your own heart to deal with. Please prepare your heart now. We're going to take some time to pray. I want you to seek the Lord as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. Okay? Pray, please.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we come to a very special point in our church history. The first Lord's Supper together as two bodies becoming one. It's exciting. We're very thankful that you are all here. Um, again, this is a time for us to remember what Christ has done for us. He is so good to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. All right. Mr. Ryan, will you pray? Lord, we are um, so thankful that you, uh, in your wisdom, chose to come uh, and be a part of the creation that we broke. And uh, Lord, that you came and lived a perfect life and gave your body for us. After hearing this message, we, we just want to uh, want to live lives that reflect our faith in you and our thankfulness for your sacrifice for uh, those of us who hated you. We ask you to bless this time, Lord. Help us to reflect and, and be grateful for that sacrifice that you made. In your name we pray, amen. 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 Again, this is for believers. Only. If you're not sure, we'd rather you wait. you pray? Did you get one? Will you pray for us, please?
In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Antoine, will you pray for us? Remember the cost that you have paid. You paid with your life to give us salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the same way, after the afterwards, he took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's do that song. Daniel, I'm putting you on the spot. Can you run back up here and do give thanks again? Let's do that song again, give thanks, and we'll close with that. It is great to be here with you. I'm putting poor Ronaldo on the spot. (laughs) Uh, He does so good, doesn't he? It's amazing. It's amazing. We praise the Lord. 
We know he does it with the same heart that Elizabeth did it with. How is it, Lord, that I'm in the mother of my Lord can be in my presence? He has the heart of loving Christ and not about myself. So, praise the Lord. All right, let's do that song. Can we get that out? No. Can we flip it over or no? Let's stand, folks. Christ. 